The Red Sox sweep the Baltimore Orioles from the help of a great start from Nathan Navaldi on the mound and J.D. Martinez coming up clutch as the offensive hero to help the Red Sox complete the sweep. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast, and thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Massachusetts Pirates team insider, Jake Ignazewski, and the Red Sox are getting hot late in the season, trying to end the season on a good note after a very, very tough 2022 campaign. As Lauren and I have talked about throughout this last week that the Red Sox have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. But i got to be honest with you. I went back to Fenway Park uh, two nights ago for the second game uh, of this Orioles series when Rich Hill went out there, had a great game on the mound, and the Red Sox were ultimately able to win. But it sort of fully sunk in for me when I saw in left field on the green monster that the Red Sox were sitting in last place of the AL East. Now, obviously, as you guys know, I'm the, one of the hosts of this podcast. We recorded five days a week. We've been talking about how awful this season has been. You know, I the standings are available for me to see on MLB.com. I knew the Red Sox were in last place, but it didn't fully sink in how bad this season has really gone until I just saw it with my own two eyes on the green monster. And it was just so tough to see. And uh, as, as much as I missed the atmosphere at Fenway Park and, you know, I wanted to go to a Red Sox home game one last time during this season to really take it all in because I don't know about you guys, but I, I really start to miss it once the off season happens. And you know, I, obviously I love the game of baseball. I love watching my favorite team, the Red Sox, especially at Fenway Park with the atmosphere, but just wasn't the same you know it the people around us that I was sitting with outside of the people that I went with to the game just the crowd you you know you could sort of I don't know feel the energy that everybody in the ballpark knew that the season was coming to an end and that the Red Sox were out of it and that they were essentially just playing to add to their win total or their loss total and it didn't really mean anything and uh you know it was nice to obviously see the Sox get a win um be able to see Albert or excuse me, Abraham Almonte hit a home run. Tristan Cassis have a great game. Obviously, as I mentioned, Hill had a great game, but it was just the first time that it had fully sunk in how bad this team was. And uh, it was, it was, it was a tough pill to swallow, but luckily we got to see a great Red Sox performance throughout this Orioles series at Fenway park. We obviously saw them uh, on Thursday end up completing the sweep with a 5-3 to three win off the help of Nathan Navaldi on the mound. Ended up going four and two-thirds, only allowing five hits, two runs, one that was earned, and striking out three batters. And this was a very critical start for Nathan Navaldi for him to be able to build up his value and show what he could bring either to the Red Sox next season or another team next season. Obviously, as most people who listen to this podcast know, Nathan Rivaldi is, is a unrestricted free agent after this season. And so this honestly could have been his final start in a Red Sox uniform playing at Fenway Park. 
we could probably see him uh, again before the season ends, but who knows if he'll land on when the Red Sox are playing at home. So uh, it, it was nice to see him be able to uh, come back after an injury and show they still got some in the tank because, you, you know, we saw his rehab performance in Worcester wasn't anything to get excited about. Ended up allowing three earned runs over three innings, ended up allowing a home run to Dominic Smith. And it's never great, obviously, when a pitcher goes down for a rehab assignment. And they, I wouldn't say he got shelled, but he definitely didn't dominate. And, uh, you know, obviously we saw as well, the velocity was way down. Uh, luckily, that, that wasn't too, too much of the case during this start on Thursday afternoon. But luckily, Avaldi at least was able to go out uh, pitching at Fenway on the right note to help the Red Sox ultimately get the win. And it was also really nice as well to see the bullpen back him up. You know, obviously, as I mentioned, Nathan Avaldi only went four and two thirds. So the bullpen really had to pick up the slack and be able to contain the game and not really blow it up. So then the Red Sox could still find a way to uh, ultimately get the win, which they, which they did. But for majority of this game, it was a tied one. And so luckily we saw um, Eduardo Bizardo come out, uh, pitch one and one third, uh, walking one, striking out two. Matt Strom was really the only guy uh, out of the pen who allowed an earned run and really didn't look that great. He ended up allowing a home run uh, to Kyle Stowers, uh, which ultimately ended up uh, putting the game in a little bit of a weird direction. They ended up tying it. And then uh, obviously uh, we saw J.D. Martinez come up clutch and be the hero with a two-run home run. I'll speak about that in a tiny bit. But I, I wanted to focus on Two guys in particular, Zach Kelly, who got his first major league win, and Caleb Ort, who got his first major league save. Now, Zach Kelly, friend of the podcast, uh, has, has come on during the offseason, and uh, no promises, but we're definitely going to try and get him on uh, during this offseason as well. But he's been one of the most impressive guys uh, out of the bullpen for the Red Sox throughout September. And ever since he has come up to the majors uh, in his rookie season, he's dazzled, uh, has only allowed two, has excuse me, has only allowed earn runs in two of his 12 games that he's appeared in has a 213 ERA so far in his young major league career. And what we've seen from him uh, has, has just been very impressive for a guy who has had a long path to get to the majors and is in going into his 27th age year. But he is just showing and continuing to show why he deserves a spot in this Red Sox bullpen during the 2023 season. And obviously there's going to be multiple spots available. Uh, the bullpen has been a massive issue for the Red Sox uh, throughout the past few years. So it's definitely going to be a priority, but luckily Zach Kelly might make Heim Bloom's decisions a little bit easier uh, by showing that he can be a reliable option out of the bullpen for the Red Sox for the rest of this year and for the future as well. And um, he's, he's also a guy who, you know, what we saw him do during this Oreo series was very impressive. Um, you know, during this game, obviously, like I mentioned, he got the win, only allowing one hit and striking out a batter. But um, also two days ago as well, uh, he, he uh, got out of the inning in just nine pitches. And you never really see that from a rookie. And, you know, look, looking at Caleb Ward as well, he, he's another guy who's going into his rookie season. 
He got his first career save, uh, only allowing one hit, striking out one in Thursday afternoon's game. But uh, he's somebody who is, is another person who's trying to audition for a spot in the Red Sox bullpen for the 2023 season. Now, what we've seen from him isn't anywhere close to impressive as Zach Kelly has been performing. But Caleb Ward, in my opinion, uh, could be a mediocre bullpen arm for another franchise. But I don't think that uh, it would be smart for the Red Sox to uh, slot him anywhere in the 2023 bullpen and expect him to uh, really be able to give you anything better than uh, the Red Sox currently have in their farm system or the Red Sox could go out and get in free agency. But for both of those guys, it was really nice to see them uh, be able to get some of those firsts in their young major league careers. And both of them are are in their later 20s. So uh, just as somebody who has had the opportunity to meet both Zach Kelly and Caleb Ward, it was, it was a really cool moment for myself as, as a fan and um, somebody who wants to see those guys succeed throughout their major league career. But, uh, you know, looking at the offensive side, as I mentioned, J.D. Martinez was the hero for the first time in a while for this team. Uh, Martinez has been somebody who's He's been talked about a lot throughout, uh, not only on this podcast, but throughout this season is not uh, really going anywhere close to the expectations that most people anticipated him to have the offensive production or output as fans are really used to. And this is the first season where we've seen a very low uh, power production for J.D. Martinez and one of the other components that he's really been missing in his game is being able to come up clutch with runners in scoring position. And, you know, it always seems like if, if there's ducks in the pond and JD Martinez comes up, you, you think in your mind now, unfortunately, that he's either going to get grounded into a double play or squander a perfect opportunity for the Red Sox to get on the board. But luckily he was able to seize the moment and come up clutch two times throughout this game ended up doubling and also broke up the tied ball game with a two run shot as i mentioned earlier and over his last seven games we've seen him uh really be able to swing a lot a lot better bat has two home runs over those seven games uh with a 308 batting average and Alex Verdugo is another guy who had a great game, ended up going two for four with two RBIs. And over his last seven games, he's batting 379. And he's another candidate who could potentially uh, get an extension during this offseason. Uh, I really think that uh, the Heimblum and the Red Sox are going to really try and lock up some of these guys for the future. That's the hope. That's the goal. That's what fans have you know, been been screaming from the rooftops for start making a core of this team so fans can actually get really excited about what they're going to be turning on their tv and watching or buying tickets to go to a game and uh i think for dugo has the best part of his uh production and his offensive approach as well uh is yet to come. You know, a lot of people forget that this is only his second 162 game season. Multiple fans, including myself, love Alex Verdugo's personality, what he brings to this team, but just through the numbers and statistically, I just got to see more, but luckily we're starting to see that consistency a little bit more. And then we saw Chris, Tristan Cassis also get in on the action, getting two hits, uh, and he's really changed his approach, it seems like, uh, over, over the last seven games, batting 479. And he talked a little bit about 
a change in approach with Jemai Webster uh, two days ago during their postgame interview. And he mentioned that he's being a lot more patient at the plate. Uh, and that really showed when I went to the game on Wednesday night. He ended up walking twice and also getting a single as well. But that's something that you sort of have to expect some of these younger guys, uh, a guy like Cassis, who uh, had a little bit of a shortened triple A stint uh, during this season due to an ankle injury and really hasn't been able to find his footing that great so far in the majors, but it's nice to be able to see him starting to learn how to approach some of these major league pitchers and starting to get into a groove as we've seen him, as I mentioned, over 400, close to a 500 batting average over the last seven games, which is just eye-popping, especially for a rookie and a guy who is as young as Tristan Cassis. But it was really nice to see the Red Sox starting to play some good baseball at the end of the season. And, you know, it gives us fans a little bit of something to get sort of excited about. But uh, going into our second segment of the Locked On Red Sox podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Sam Kennedy's conversation on the Fenway Rundown with Chris Cotillo and give some of my thoughts on what he mentioned about a possible Red Sox, uh, or excuse me, a possible all-star game coming to Fenway Park and what his thoughts has been of how the ownership has really approached the building of this team and really how focused they are on this team due to their expanded portfolio. But before we talk about that, I just want to talk about betonline.net, which is your number one source for football betting information this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles analysis on every game you can find and as always bet online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there it's the fastest and easiest way for you to check in on all your favorite games and sporting events including mlb mma boxing and golf so head over to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts. So going into this second segment, I really found the Sam Kennedy conversation very interesting on the Fenway Rundown. And Chris Cotillo always does a great job with his podcast presented by uh, Mass Live on being able to get some of these higher profile uh, front office representatives or players or just guys who report on the team to give great analysis uh, that you know, I can use in this podcast and to help not only myself, but um, fans like you guys to learn more about what is really going on internally for the Red Sox, and especially with a guy like Sam Kennedy, who is the CEO of the team and works very closely with the ownership group. It was really interesting to hear about his thoughts on Xander Bogards, Rafael Devers, uh, re-signing, you know, long-term players and also a few subjects, as, as I mentioned in, in the teaser of this second ep, uh, segment uh, of the all-star game coming to Fenway park. And that was something that, that really caught my attention because obviously uh, the Red Sox haven't had the opportunity to host it ever since 1999. And, you know, even though that's the year I was born, I I still know, you know, Ted Williams got wheeled out of his wheelchair, Pedro Martinez pitched in that game. And it it was an event that is very memorable for a lot of Red Sox fans. um, Unlike myself who, who, who were able to experience it um, and really enjoy it, it, the all-star game being at such a historic park like Fenway. And I'm really excited for that to possibly happen once again in the next 10 to 15 years. And Kennedy actually hinted at it uh, that 
There could be a possibility of a 30-year anniversary All-Star game at Fenway Park. He did mention that the team has put their interest and let the Major League Baseball know that they're very interested in hosting another All-Star game. So all we can do is really cross our fingers uh, that the Red Sox and the ownership group are really able to make that happen. I, th I think it would be a great event, and um, it would bring a lot of buzz, uh, obviously, around the Boston area. Obviously, there's just so much buzz with with the Boston sports scene, but I think it would be um, once again a very historic event for Fenway Park. And another another subject that I thought that they talked about that was very interesting uh, was sort of the narrative that we've heard a lot of fans and and maybe uh, Boston sports personalities talk a little bit about with the expanded portfolio of the Red Sox ownership group of Tom Warner and John Henry. And with them buying the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, as well as obviously having the Fenway Sports Group, which which owns the Red Sox, Ness and the, the Boston Bruins, and um, as well as, you know, Liverpool, um, Rouch Fenway Racing. And, you know, th there's been a lot of people who have mentioned maybe with uh, what the how the ownership has their hands and multiple different things, you know, they're not fully focused on the Red Sox. And that's maybe why we're seeing a, uh, a lesser productive on-field uh, performance from the team over this past season. It, it, it may be not as much spending as fans would like with extending Rafael Devers or Xander Bogards. And Kennedy pretty much put it as, uh, even though the, the ownership group has an expanded portfolio, this is just a much better way for the ownership group to be able to invest on the on-field product as well as continue to add to the fan experience at Fenway Park. And he, he mentioned that the, that the ownership group is, is still obsessed with winning. And, you know, even, even though that their portfolio has expanded, uh, that they're involved in the day-to-day -day more than they were before. And um, especially with the success over the last 21 years that this ownership group has seen, he mentioned that they're very determined to be able to um, continue to put an, an on-field product uh, that fans get excited about and that can win championships. And, you know, my, my main reaction to that was uh, sort of a little bit more clarity on sort of what the mindset of this ownership group is. And, you know, obviously hearing those comments, you, you can, you can take it how you want, but from what I heard from that, uh, th their expanded portfolio is just going to help be able to give the ownership group a lot more resources and ability to be able to spend a lot more money, not only on this current Red Sox team with free agents, with extensions, but you know, also be able to, you know, they, they just built a brand new music hall right next to Fenway Park. You know, we could see even more amenities and uh, different different things that add to the fan experience being added due to the extra revenue that uh, the Red Sox and the, the Fenway Sports Management Group are able to obtain from these different uh, things that they're invested in. But you know, he also mentioned as well that each organization has its own uh, management group and has its own sort of set aside revenue towards uh, that specific organization. And so, you know, I, that, that made me feel a lot better sort of about, um, you know, the narrative that's been going around throughout this season. And, you know, he also mentioned as well that he, he, he finds it sort of ridiculous that people think that the, this ownership group isn't investing or spending 
as much money as maybe fans would like to see them spend uh, on this team because, you know, it was just reported that the Red Sox have to pay the luxury tax and are, are really the only organization um, who are over the luxury tax threshold that aren't making the playoffs. And, you know, he, he mentioned, obviously, that that frustrates them and that's not where they expected to be whatsoever. But, you know, it also just points to the fact that this ownership group is very um, – invested and willing to invest on putting a competitive on-field product and um, obviously with what what we see in the record and um, that the Red Sox aren't going to be playing October baseball obviously that didn't work out this past season but um, you know Kennedy definitely uh, spoke about a lot of confidence uh, with the Red Sox being able to get a lot of money off of the books that the that the team is going to be able to be back in that competitive uh, threshold of the major leagues and be able to compete uh, for a championship in World Series once again in 2023. And um, I found that very, um, very nice to hear as a fan and, and, and something that gave me a little bit more confidence going into this uh, offseason as, as tough as um, this season has been throughout this year. But um, as always, it, we greatly appreciate all the support um, on this podcast as, as difficult as this season has been. Um, it's been so much fun to be able to talk about this team um, on a weekly basis or, or five days a week and um, be able to interact with, you know, some of the audience and some of the fans of, of this podcast. And um, Lauren and I have so much fun being able to, you know, bring on these different guests and give you, give you the best content that we can, uh, even though the on-field product might not be uh, what we would like to see. But as always, uh, we hope that everybody has a great rest of their day. If you want to follow us over on Twitter, it's LO underscore Red Sox. You can also follow myself on Twitter. It's at Jake Iggy or also my co-host Lauren. It's La La La, three laws, Lauren with four R's. But we greatly appreciate everybody making Locked On Red Sox their first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings us humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. So follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. But we'll end this episode how we always end it. Let's go Sox. Peace.